Now I'm going to invite Yuli up uh, for the first time of uh, a few times this morning um, to talk to us about uh, the work that Compassion does and has been doing with our money over the last few months. Thank you, David. Yes, it works. <laughs> Don't you just love it when things come together? Good morning, church. Good morning. It's such a privilege to be with you this morning. I am here with my family, Leo and Nico and Gabriel. Um, and this morning, really, we're here to celebrate the great work God is using you to do. I'd like to thank Bill for inviting us and the whole team and David um, for welcoming us so warmly to come and worship with you this morning. So this morning, this first part of the morning, I want to celebrate what God is using this church to do through compassion. Over the past, since you started your sponsorship, you have sponsored 15 children and we're here to celebrate those lives. And I want to thank you for your commitment, for, the ch for your support for these children. Now, the children include Thomas, who is sponsored by the youth. We will talk to them later on. Um, but it's such a great thing that you're doing because your commitment and your sponsorship is helping these children's lives to be transformed. At the moment, you are sponsored in one location. You have a heart for Kenya. And there's a spot right there in the white, if you can see. Um, and all your sponsored children are based in and around the same location in Kenya. I recently had opportunity to visit Kenya, so I can really resonate with that country this morning as I share with you. Your sponsorship to these children not only help them individually, but you're helping their families and their communities at wide. And I really want to celebrate what God is using you to do. Because of your sponsorship, they are able to receive good, nutritious meals. They are able to receive the word of God through the local church. But also they're able to have, come into a community and be loved and cared for by people who care for them. Over the past year, as you can see on the board, your sponsored children have written to you 22 times. And six sponsors have written 10 letters. At the moment, the children are in the lead. So I really <laughs> want to encourage all the sponsors, if you are a sponsor here, I really want to encourage you to do, write your letters. And right now, Compassion has an app, so it's really easy to download the app on your smartphone or your iPad, and it will take two minutes. This, the letters means a lot to them because I've met a gentleman um, when I was in Kenya. He'd lost his mum when he was a teenager, and when he came home from school, he didn't really know how to deal with his grief when he was told of the news. He told a story of going to get the letters he received from his sponsors, and he literally read over and over and over. And those words that the sponsor had written to, the, to him really encouraged him through his grief. And that sponsor became his mentor. And now he himself is a mentor to other people, other young men and children all around the world. You are sponsoring eight girls and seven boys. And again, the girls are in the lead. So we need the boys to catch up. 
Next one, please. This really gives you the, uh, that looks like a lot of figures, but let's bring it to reality. Since your partnership, your children, your sponsored children have been able to go to the Compassion Project, 7,406 hours. That's a lot of hours. So that's equivalent to you and I going to work, the children going to school, going to their clubs, but they're coming into these spaces to be nurtured and loved. You can also see that they've had medical checks. We can go to the um, dentist and GPs whenever we want, but children living in poverty don't have that luxury. But through your sponsorship, they are being cared for and their basic needs are being met. And 22 Bibles have been given out. 22 Bibles. Yes, I know you're sponsoring 15 children and the maths doesn't quite add up. But if you think about it, some of those Bibles are going into their homes. So it's not just the children who are engaging in the word of God, but actually their families and their communities are also being impacted through your sponsorship. And they are getting to know about the gospel. Next one, please. And over the past 12 months, your contribution, that is your giving through your sponsorship, a staggering £6,449. That is a staggering amount. And thank you for your continued support. And additionally, three gifts have been sent to your sponsored children. And I really want to celebrate that. Thank you so much for what you're doing and what you're helping through your partnership with Compassion and the local church in Kenya to do in these children's lives. Next one, please. This is my favorite slide. If you are a sponsor here and you can spot any of your children, can you please raise, up, you raise your hand and just point to them if you can? Who is, where is that? Thomas. And Thomas is supported by the youth, I believe. Yeah, thank you so much. These are your children. These are the children that you are helping to raise, nurture and loved. These children are part of your family. They're part of your church. And I want to really encourage you to keep doing what you're doing. Their lives, their stories, one day will be told. And your names, those sponsors who are supporting them are going to be part of that legacy. I really want to encourage you and I really want to celebrate what God is using you to do today through compassion, through your love, through your giving to these children. One day they're going to grow up to be men and women of stature, women who are fearful of the Lord, men and women who are going to be game changers and world changers. So thank you so much. And I want to celebrate you today. You are making a huge difference. Thank you. Bill and I were talking this week about this and uh, saying how remarkable it is that there's that, that six and a half thousand pound figure. And we do our annual reports and kind of our finances and we look at the giving the church is doing there. And this is on top of that. It's kind of off the books. I wonder how much more off the books giving there is in our church. Um, but that's remarkable. Yes. 
will have a different background. Some of them will be orphans, and some of them will be in one parent family. Some of them potentially may be with both families, but because of the economic situations, the family are not able to support them. So then they are literally below the poverty line. So they've been um, partnered or introduced to compassion because their families want them to have a better life. The reading today is from John chapter 6, um, 1 to 14, and can be found on page 1010 in the Church Bibles. Okay. Jesus feeds the 5,000. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is, the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs he had performed on the sick. Then Jesus went up on the hillside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover feast was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each other to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. He was a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far can they go among so many? Jesus said, make the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and the men sat down, about 5,000 of them. And Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to the disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled twelve baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the miraculous sign that Jesus did, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks. Thank you. Right, let's welcome Yuli back up to speak to us from this passage. Um, we normally like to pray for people before they speak to us. Is that all right? Yes, <laughs> I thought it probably would be, but... That, you know. that is perfectly all right. Lord God, we thank you for Yuli and uh, welcome her. We pray that as she speaks to us, we will hear you speaking to our hearts. Break our hearts for the poor and for seeing justice done. May we hear you this morning. Mm. Amen. Amen. Thank you, David. And thank you for welcoming me back. So I'm going to share a sermon, and my title is Do Not Despise Small Beginnings. And um, we thank you for that beautiful reading. 
we've heard about the um, story about <coughs> Jesus feeding the 5,000. Now, in the earlier chapters, in the earlier chapters, Jesus had been doing miracles. He's been preaching and teaching all around the place, and his disciples were also with him. And he also talks about how, as they were moving on to the other side of the mountains, the, Jesus noticed that people, the crowd, were following him. Now, what, one thing that stood out for me when I was looking at this scripture is how Jesus was so given of himself. I can imagine that as he's been preaching and teaching and healing so many people, that he would have been tired. The disciples would have also been tired. But with seeing this great multitude, he still had compassion on them and he wanted to do something. There's a scripture in um, Acts, Acts 10, 38. It says that God gave the Holy Spirit, God gave the Holy Spirit and power to Jesus and he went around doing good and he was healing people. Jesus went around doing good, but he didn't do it on his own. He was doing it amongst people and he was doing it with his disciples. I don't know about you, but when I'm tired, when I've had a long week and I've been volunteering at the school or doing different things, I don't have, my compassion gauge is limited. I don't have much compassion because all I want to do is just hide and hibernate and rest. But actually, Jesus still presents opportunities in every given situation. In this moment where there's a multitude, where people are hungry, Jesus looked to his disciples, you know, where, where can we feed these people? How can we, where can we buy bread? And Philip answered, it will take almost a year's wages to buy bread for, a little bread for these people. Already, he's already thinking, this is, not this is just not possible. Now, Jesus could have easily done a miracle himself and fed the multitude with manna, just like God told Moses in Exodus that he would let manna fall, rain down for the Israelites because they were moaning and complaining. And God actually did. He fed them with manna. But Jesus chose to do this miracle with his disciples. In 2015, the United Nations announced the Sustainable Development Goal. And one key goal was to eradicate extreme poverty for all people around the world by 2030. If you do the maths, that's between, that's between you and my lifetime. I had the opportunity to coordinate an event at the House of Lords with an international learning um, group. And they were looking at the intergenerational equity children's right and achieving the world's sustainable goal on poverty. There was a quote by a leader who said that the church is the hope of the world. You and I are the church. We make up the body of Christ. And that global conversation that is happening about eradicating poverty, we are part of that conversation. It's not apart from the church. We are part of that big wide world conversation. Poverty has many faces. Poverty is Beatrice, who I met in Kenya. At the age of six months, her mother abandoned her because she was in poverty. She was disabled and she couldn't afford to look after her baby. Her dad had died 
So Beatrice was left with her grandmother. At age 13, she was sent to go and fetch water about two miles away from her home in the slums of Nairobi. <coughs> now, as she went, she got abused. And through that attack, she ended up being pregnant. And at age 14, she had her baby. When her baby came, she couldn't bond with her baby. So she rejected her baby. I met Beatrice when her baby was five months old, so he would be, probably be a few months older now. <coughs> now that's the cycle of poverty repeating itself. She was rejected when she was, she was six months, and now she's rejecting her baby. Poverty is when people are not able to afford the most basic things in life. Now in our communities, even in this church, we have the food bank that provide relief for those who are in hardship. And you're doing right here, you're doing this in this church. Many people are coming through this church and you're supporting those people because they are in poverty. The World Bank says that people living in poverty are only surviving on just £1.47 a day or less. Without the basic elements, poverty becomes a cycle from one generation after another. But today I stand here in hope because when Beatrice's, Beatrice was pregnant, her midwife was horrified at what happened and introduced her to compassion. So now, even though she's rejected her baby, she's part of a loving community, supporting her and supporting her grandmother to nurture her baby Manuel. And we can trust that baby Manuel's story has changed. What happened to her mother is not going to repeat itself again because he's going to be released in Jesus' name. Jesus asked his disciples, where can we buy bread to feed the crowd? He challenged them to see the bigger picture. Like I said, he could have just let heaven rain manna down to feed this, that crowd. Peter then spoke up and said, there's a boy who has five small fish, no, five small loaves and two small fish. But then he said, what good is that with all these people? So he had a solution, but he also doubted. How many of you have doubted when I mentioned about the world being eradicated of poverty by 2030? And how many of you have discounted, discounted yourself from what God is wanting to do because we're thinking too small or because we just disqualify ourselves at any given opportunity to do, for him to do something miraculous in our lives. We're all on, we're all on different stages of our lives. Five small loaves, two small fish fed 5,000 men, but potentially there are thousands of people because there could have been women and children there. That little boy could have decided that I don't want to share my food with these people because I'm hungry. And he would have missed opportunity to be part of the greatest miracle Jesus did. That story is shared is in Luke, John, Matthew, and also Mark. I would like to show you a story 
of Richmond. When I was eight years old, my father was taken away from us. And by that, I mean he was murdered. Nothing was the same for me. News began to come to our doorstep. From our landlord, we got word that we couldn't stay in the house that we stayed anymore because we couldn't afford it. My mother had no job. My father was the only breadwinner. We moved from where we stayed to a place called Naguru Kasenke, which is one of Uganda's largest slums. And then I was introduced to our new home, which was a 12 by 12 room. I looked up on the roof. It was a tin roof that had holes in it. I've been to places where when it rains, people are happy. They get excited. But for me growing up, whenever it rained, that was a night that we would stay standing. Get little buckets, place just where the halls and the roof are, and wait until morning. A reality hit me that day. This was life. I remember when my mom said to us, there was no money for food. That ushered us into a place where we were now going to begin to go to the street to fend for food. Hunger began to set in, lack of water. I was a kid, I, I didn't have time to be a child anymore. As I lived like this on a daily basis, poverty began to speak to me as a child. I felt I was nothing. I didn't matter. Nobody cared to know my name. I think the best way I could describe who I was and what I thought is the word hopeless. My mother, in tears, uh, approached one of her friends just to share with her friend, and her friend shared with her about compassion. Compassion staff members immediately came to our home. Uh, I remember them coming with uh, just uh, files to, to, to get details of who we were, what our story was. I got the news that a young lady, Heather, she was 15 years old, a teenager. She had decided to sponsor me. I cannot find the words to describe the joy that filled our home when we got the news. Richmond, you've got a sponsor, which means you can now go back to school. It means food will be given to us because of you. I began to walk into that reality that ushered in me an opportunity to rekindle this hope that was taken away. Heather began to write to me, to hear words like, Richmond, I love you. Richmond, I'm praying for you. They began to bring healing into places that were destroyed by voices and poverty and my self-image. I remember my day, June the 3rd, 1996. I walked forward to accept the Lord Jesus in my heart. I began to feel, wow, I have been released from poverty. 
I have been released. God began to continue to grow the leadership within me. And then I felt fully called to pursue pastoral ministry. I began the Pastors Discipleship Network, a ministry that exists to train and equip pastors. And I spend a lot of my life training and equipping pastors in the Word of God. Looking back into my life and thinking where I am right now and what I'm doing, I don't think any of this would have been possible without compassion. Compassion works. Everything that was placed within the program has helped build me to who I am right now. Poverty is not just the lack of money, the lack of material, food and water. Poverty is in, it's deep. I credit a lot of how I feel now about myself to those letters that I received from my sponsor. My name is Richmond Wandera, and I was released from poverty in Jesus' name. I don't get starstruck with celebrities, but he's one of my heroes. Last year, I got the opportunity to meet um, Richmond. And he's now not just a community leader. He's traveling all around the world, affecting millions of people's lives. But he's also, can I have the picture with Richmond, please? But he's also part of our Compassion Executive team at Compassion UK. That's Richmond there. And the lady in the grey top with the number 88, that's his beautiful wife. And they've got a family now. That's Heather. Heather chose to sponsor Richmond. And from that one sponsorship, from that one yes, from that one act of compassion, his, his life was changed, but not just that life. There's a ripple effect that is going around the world. My time is up, but there's one quote that I want to share with you. I found this quote by a gentleman by the name of Miles Monroe, but I adapted it a little bit, so I haven't put his name there, but it's a mixture of mine and his words. And he says that, and I say that, the kingdom is the love of God prevailing in our homes, in our communities, in politics, in business, in government, in media, in school, in churches, in, around the world. It is all the impact of the laws of God creating a social environment where the strong help the weak, where those who have give to those who don't. It's a society and a culture where relationships are built on love. Compassion is passionate about working in partnership with the local church because we understand that the church has a mandate to share the love of God to the world, to bring kingdom on, on earth as it is in heaven and to make disciples of all nations. Imagine the eternal hope that is forged when a child who has only known poverty neglect, disease, all these things caused by the disadvantages of poverty are introduced to the love of Christ. Now, this church is incredible. 
hearing Ian's um, story, little beginnings, equals to this beautiful church community. And there's more God wants to do. For the 15 lives that you're helping to transform, I really want to thank you. For my, myself, my family and compassion, we are so grateful for your support. And believe me, those children are incredibly grateful as well. And today I want to challenge you to commit yourself to God's hands and ask him, what is it that you're asking me to do? Maybe God is asking you to pray. Maybe God is asking you to volunteer in the church. Maybe God is asking you to show compassion to a neighbor. Maybe God is asking you to release a child out of, out of poverty. But I want to commit that to you, that you'll honestly speak to the Lord in your heart. Thank you for the incredible difference you're making as a church, as a people. You're making a huge difference in the kingdom. I have seven children with me today who are looking for their sponsor. And if you feel that God is laying on your heart to release them out of poverty, please do come and find out about them during the coffee break. Do you mind if I pray? Father God, we thank you so much for today. Thank you, Father God, for the freedom to come together and worship you. We thank you, Lord Father God, for your gifts, for the talents, for your provision, Lord Father God, that you've blessed us with. Thank you, Lord Father God, that you call us to walk in partnership with you, to do good, and to show compassion to the world. God, we ask that your kingdom will come on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.